0: This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp. Available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Today we want to talk about AI and marketing. Of course, we've had um, a number of shows on that topic already. But um today I'm joined by Vince, Vance Ravey. He is the CEO of Junction AI. Um, I don't remember how I ran across him, but I think he was saying something on Twitter. I thought that was worth um asking him to come on the show right here. Um and we're gonna get him out of the green room. As you know, lots of buttons to push. Um, on the screen here. Let's get him on the show and get this party started. Vance, how's it going today?
1: Hey, how you doing? I'm going good, really good. What about you?
0: I'm hanging in there, ready for the weekend. I like to call my Fridays, fri
1: <laughs> I love it. Exactly. Maybe I should have a wine during this, right? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> we should have a drink while we're doing it. Well, it's we're still working. It's still going to be yeah. a few hours, um, for me at least. So tell me about um, really quickly, Junction AI, what do you do and, and, and how does AI um, fit into the marketing mix? How can we make it easier um, going forward?
1: Yeah, OK, great. Well, that's a good spot to start. So what we're doing at Junction AI is we're really focusing in on understanding creative and using AI to understand creative. And so when I speak about creative, I mean, you know, the copy um, that we're using in our marketing, the images and the video, and um, using using the power of AI to look at all the data that we generate from those images in, in that advertising and, you know, what the, the copy generates as well, um, the concepts in the images. You know, if I'm showing you a picture of a boy with a blue t-shirt and an e-scooter and a balloon, you know, what is it that the AI is seeing in that that um, is really prominent or relevant to our audience? And so, you know, that's really what we're doing at Junction AI is we're giving marketers that ability to analyze their ad creative before they even deploy it live and start that big spend and all that A-B testing and all the, you know, the normal things. Um, The ability to use AI to predict how successful that advertising creative will be before they launch it and to get insights on how to improve it. So, you know, can be really simple things like changing the word buy to shop or something like that. Or it might be in that picture, you know, changing the t shirt the boys one because that's going to help sell that e-scooter
0: well and you know what's interesting i i love what you said about you know you're going to give us some tools to make sure copy and creative is optimized I'm Old to have grown up in the world where the boss knows everything best right not not the numbers but the boss it's a gut feeling and i got a gut too right but Uh, But certainly, I mean, we've all lived in those worlds. But what you're talking about in this model, I mean, we can take all this gut. I mean, there's still gut feeling, right? There's still instinct. I mean, I write stories all the time that perform, and there was no search traffic when I wrote them, but I anticipated something, right? And I know there's tools for that as well. Um, But having the ability to analyze the content before you publish that could be a big differentiator
1: oh exactly and i mean that really represents how we're transforming the industry now too we we call it optimization before spend and and you're right you know we've got our instincts we've got our experience that allows us to um make really good you know to to make judgments but what these days we have so much data as well and typically we're applying it after the fact you know it's it's almost it's a reactive and then we're going to fix it next time or fix it next next fleet of ads or next campaign but we have so much data these days. We need to bring that capability up to the front. So AI is a great tool for that. And and as I tell people people in the sector, it's not taking our jobs. It's not replacing what the marketers doing. All that experience they've got. It's delivering predictions. It's delivering insights. But it still relies, like you know, like you were saying there, like that that marketer has to use their judgment and has to use their experience, their knowledge of their brand, or if it's an agency, the brands they're working with, to then apply those insights and those predictions to get the best results. So it really is like a companion to a human in that sense.
0: Yeah, and of course we do get that quite a bit where people say things, you know, like, oh, it's gonna take our job, whatever. Um, And and certainly some technology does take jobs, maybe not even take jobs, but changes jobs. So I'll give you an example. Back in the day when I was a journalist, what I'm doing right now is like the job of three people, but it also was a lot more difficult, right? I mean, I'm producing the show on, 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 um, switcher. If you haven't seen the thing at the bottom live stream with switcher studio, uh, dot com, um, trap one gets you a month off. I'm a big, big fan. And then I use restream to push it to all these different channels. We're again, live Amazon, Twitter, Periscope, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Um, so, you know, it changes technology has changed our life now we you talked about campaigns and i know you do it for ad campaigns is there also a use for us content creators you know who are not necessarily doing an ad campaign can i use it for other uh, use cases or or not yet
1: you know that's um that's a really good question because we are getting a lot of inbound and a lot of questions on how else can we apply this and and we we you know we take it back to where we really start on this and that is our AI has the, uh, connects up to a data source. We use, generally use first party data, but we connect up to that data source and we create what we call an, an AI audience model. And I guess the easiest way to explain that is, you know, it's really creating like a flight simulator. You wouldn't put a pilot in a plane and you know, take off from the airport and away you go the first time around or second time around, you put them in a simulator. So we approach that, like if we can model your audience with our AI, then we're going to put you in that simulator so you can you can test out things. Now we're applying it to advertising right now, so you can you know Facebook and Google and different ads like that. But there's other areas you can apply it to as well. Product listings, you know, for example, on Amazon or other other places, uh, you can apply to you know streaming. Media, really any digital in that area, as long as you've got that data set of your audience, so that we can we can see what it virtually looks like or their virtual reaction to it. So it gives you those cues of you know how to improve it or where to go next.
0: Well, I mean, everybody's keeps giving me ideas here. For uh, now, I got the name on top of you there. Everybody is giving me ideas nonstop. My new book is coming out. Going live. How do you live stream your podcast? Uh guys, you can pre-order that right now on Amazon. Uh I I want to make sure I heard that correctly, Vance. Did you just say I can use it for live streaming as well, like live media or 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 not or did I hear that incorrectly?
1: No, that's definitely an area we've had a lot of interest in. We we haven't got our platform doing that yet, but that's an area we've had a few podcasters come to us and ask like can we do can we do audio and can we do live streaming and and again, you know, there's no reason we can't. There's no technical block to doing that. It's really just saying, you know, have we got the creative? Well, yeah, we do. Here you go. Your show. Um, then we have to just have some data that we can work against on that. Uh, with what we do, we, we tend to use first party data because we believe it's, you know, it's, it is your audience. So therefore, that's where your gold is. Your low hanging fruit is there. You know, the, the things that differentiate you from your competitors are all in your, in your audience data. Um, but we can also use third-party data sources as well. You know, there might be general population data or, um, you know, other sources like that where we can train the AI and, and then get cues and insights from it too.
0: So, of course, and you can tell me later if you, if you, if you are not okay with it or please let me know if you are okay with it. Uh, but, I, you know, that's what I meant by everybody has all these ideas they share with me on this podcast. And that's an idea I really need to add into the book now which I'm still finishing up. You know, it's supposed to be done, but every other day there's somebody like you who gives me another idea for another section. So I might have to add that in there, that that's on your, um, what, what do you call it again? The, the product map, right? It's on the product yep. map. Yep. it, it cool. is indeed. And that's okay to add, right? Probably.
1: absolutely, absolutely. Awesome, <laughs> we'll, we'll,
0: quote you. we'll quote you in there as well. Very interesting. Okay, so let's just stick with live streaming for a minute before we come back to the ad campaigns. So in a live stream, so of course we're live and we're having yeah. a good conversation and here's already, you know, so I already did something, you said something and I changed the headline on LinkedIn. I changed it to why not analyze creative before spending campaign money. I think that's a better headline than what I had initially. So in my head, I kind of was like, whatever, I got to change it. On Twitter, I can't change it, right? It's, there's no edit button, whatever. On YouTube, I can change it. I got to go back in later anyways. And and cut out the beginning and all the other jazz. But what, and we're talking, you don't know what I'm going to say. I don't really know what you're going to say. And we're chatting. What do you test on a live stream? Is it the headlines? Is it the creative? Is it what, like, what do we test like down the road? How do you envision that?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple pieces in there, like even when we're talking about advertising campaigns, we are looking at both the copy, the copy that might be on the image, and then the, the image or the video running in the background itself. And so from a streaming point of view, uh, it's a little bit of all of that put together, because obviously we have to capture the voice track, and we have to you know, pull those apart, and those are all the words that are going to get captured. Uh, there would be the copy we can see right now on the screen, you know, capturing all of that there would be the images we're seeing on the screen. So, you know, we've got the colors in there, we've got a mic, we've got pictures of us, we've got some background things. All of those, you know, we call those concepts. All of those are stripped off those those creative assets and then fed into, you know, the AI for testing to see how how relevant they are to the audience, how engageable they are to the audience. And that then gives us some cues. And, uh, you know, I think the exciting area about streaming for me is that Data is so dynamic. I mean, we see this all the time in our tool. If a holiday passes—a Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, whatever it is—you can see real changes in the data really fast. And in the past, we couldn't do much about that. You know, we waited till the, the, the stats came out after, and we we didn't have the tools we have today to apply these changes so quickly. But now with, um, you know, tools like what we've done at Junction AI, you can model up that audience in a couple hours, get those insights, and you can already be optimizing your creative or making those changes to your creative, you know, really almost on the fly, editing it just quickly like that. And we do, you know, some of that's in our tool and some of it still requires, like you just did, the manual edit. But either way, you can get those answers quick. You don't need to go to the, um, the analytics department or the, the data science team and, you know, lodge the project and wait, you know what, two weeks, maybe two months, whatever it is for that for that, that information to come back. We want it to be, you know, at, at your fingertips.
0: Yeah, what's interesting about this whole discussion is, um, you know, the, the, I mean, everybody wants their content to perform, right? I mean, that's a, that's a given. Everybody wants everything to con- perform. And of course, I mean, I wrote a book on that topic even, you know, how do we create that content performance culture? And why did you... Uh, so my question is going to be, why did you start with advertising? And and my guess is, so for example, and content strategists say it all the time. And some people, they're driven crazy by it. And some people just accept the reality. But content strategy, when you start from scratch, takes a while. It does. Like, it's the end, right? Like, I didn't make that up just to have an excuse um, to go slower. I don't go slow anyways. Um, but like podcasting, live streaming. They work when you do them, but they take a while. Like doing two podcasts, doing two live streams, you're not going to win the race. Like seriously, you won't. But in advertising, the pressure seems to be a lot higher, right? Like I spend real money, even though, you know, obviously I make money too. So there's real money in content strategy. But because you're putting whatever many $10,000 $10, into advertising, um, there's more pressure for immediate return. I mean, is that why you focus...
1: A uh, you know, the, that, that immediacy is one of the exciting parts of it because that immediacy is driven on the fact that there are data results happening. There are clicks happening at that moment. There are keyword searches happening and all that data is being collected. So the immediacy is exciting on it. But really what, what stimulated it was we had an app in the market many, many years ago about local discovery. You know, so if I'm on Second Street in Guadalupe in Austin, you know, it's telling. a love and things like that and um you know it was going pretty well but we asked our marketers like you know what could we do to really like what would make the most difference to your to your day-to-day job and a few of them said and one in particular she was up like late saturday night doing instagram posts and she kind of went you know if i knew what image to post ahead of time if i knew what was going to work ahead of time that would just change my life that would change my job that would change the results for the brand i work for all those sorts of things and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the cliche thing of the light bulb over your head kind of going off, but the light bulb literally went off over my head right then. And I thought, well, just a minute now. We have all the data. Oh, what they want to do, what they're going to click through, what they're going to react to, what they're not going to react to, what they're going to share, that's all there. So why can't we somehow harness this data to be useful to that, to that marketer ahead of time? So that they're optimizing before spend. And, um, you know, we didn't get into this with the idea that, oh, AI is really sexy and cool. Let's do it. I mean, there's a lot of hype in the media about that. Uh, we just looked at the volume of data we had. and We thought there's no humanly possible way that you could either hire enough people or have enough of a team to sit there and probe every potential relationship among millions of data points. It's a job for AI. It's the only way to you know, run it that fast and get insights that quick. It. And, um, you know, it really just has, has snowballed since then, really.
0: That is super cool to hear. And so when Nava Hopkins, she's Nava HF, N-A-V-A H-F on Twitter. Uh, she also uh, writes, ask me anything about PPC over on the Search Engine Journal um, website. Um, so check her out. But she was on the show and she basically said, when clients come to me and they don't even want to spend 15000 a month. I don't even work with them. I think that was the number. Don't get don't get me wrong. But she says, you know, you need to spend a good amount to really, you know, get things going and, and get things moving. What 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 what's your opinion? What's your recommendation? How much do I need to spend on ads to use your tool? I mean, I run some campaigns once in a while, you know, like I don't know, a hundred bucks or something a week, you know, something pretty small. I mean, that's I'm not your client
1: when I do that, I assume. Well, you might be surprised. Um Okay. I guess one of the things that we, we thought was really important as we went into this was to make it really accessible because, you know, the, the, big, the big unicorn and, you know, the major billion dollar brands, they can afford AI engineers, they can afford vast teams of these people to help them and, and they've got those, all those resources, but it seems to me that, you know, what's really needed in the mid-tier in the small business sector is almost leveling up to have that same capability through technology. And that's what, that is what was wonderful about technology. They can level up, they can get some of those things. So we went into this the idea, with the idea of what is the minimum amount of data that we can give at least some decent direction? Because right now you have no prediction. So if we can give you even, something that gives you a direction, you're going to be further ahead than you were without. So what's the minimum we can work with? And when we started testing and started prototyping, we were working off the most minimal data sets to see if we could get anything useful. And we we found that we we could do useful recommendations at five ads with only a hundred impressions each for PPC, and pretty similar on Facebook. And our first test cases were some smaller businesses that we you know they'd only spent maybe fifteen hundred bucks in total on their advertising—not fifteen thousand, but fifteen hundred. And we were able to get incredible change in their results for them. And again, it was, you know, on the PPC thing side, it, it was down to how you tell the story in Google, the order of that story. I mean, believe it or not, those those three headlines and those two descriptions, that's still a story you're telling your user, of course. So if you get that story right, you get the right words in there. And our tool will just tell you, you know, use the word shop instead of buy or use the word applications instead of assessments or something like that. Those little things alone can make a big difference. So on a couple hundred dollars spend, our clients are already seeing a difference.
0: I mean, that's unbelievable. And so um, I am going between tools all day long. And I know, I know software people don't want me to call them tools. I know we've had that discussion <laughs> with Brad Messler on here. And uh, certainly I work for a SaaS company as well. So I, I, I know uh, platforms, platforms. Brad, don't throw a chair at me or hold the tomatoes. Um, but you know, I'm going between tre- Trello and WordPress and Pardot and Drift and uh, whatever, right? Buffer, um, all those different tools. Um, how do we integrate, how does your, and then of course, if I were to do ads, right? Google ads as well and, and on, on Facebook and whatever. How does your platform integrate? I mean, is it another thing I have to just add to my travel card and say, um, go run it against this? Or how does that evolve over time, I guess?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, when I went into it, I had this goal that was like, marketers have seven to eight dashboards minimum each right now, or probably more, and I was, I, I really wanted this idea of like, we should have, we shouldn't have to have a dashboard for this. It should just automatically happen in all the tools that you already have. But, um, you know, we did have to go down the road of actually making a dashboard. So we made it pretty easy for our users. Yes, they have another login system, another, you know, platform to log in on, on the internet. Um, they, Jump in. They can put in their you know their Google or Facebook IDs and kick off their model build, Um, and so that's the standalone version. But we still have you know we built our system out with the idea that again the marketer has those platforms already. They might have Trello. They might have some internal developed dashboard. We should just be able to look at the content they have there. Maybe it's queued up in their existing workflow system and just surface those insights and those predictions right within their existing, surf, in the, within their existing system in real time or pretty close to real time. You know, maybe a couple seconds while the AI does its It's thinking, right? But they shouldn't have to come in and out and, and, and work in other tools. So um, that's, you know, we built with that in mind and we're starting work with a couple clients now to have that exact um, you know, relationship work that way. So I'm pretty excited to see how that works because I think the more we can make this just part of your standard workflow, it happens exactly when it needs to as you're in that workflow. The more people are going to use AI, probably without even realizing it, much like, you know, autocorrect when we're texting or we're using Google Maps or whatever it is. We don't often think, oh, that's an AI, but it is. So I my goal is that our AI is exactly the same. It just happens when you need it to happen along the process when it's the right time.
0: Well, I mean, don't get me started on autocorrect, Um, but yeah, in theory, in theory, it's a good tool. And, you know, honestly, I didn't ask you, it wasn't supposed to be a landmine or anything, but um, I I personally have given up on everything being integrated. I know we've had that discussion for the last decade, everything should be integrated, but how do you integrate everything? I know there's Zapier, uh, whatever integrations you can do and whatever. But at the end of the day, it's impossible because there's different things I need, you know, different things I got to do. So how um, how how do I get started? Like, is it so if I'm running an ad campaign, then I might want to do it, even if I have a small campaign, because it can help us, as you mentioned, leveling up. And and that's actually one of the beautiful things today in in marketing and digital marketing. I mean, think about what we're doing here. Everybody can do a live stream. Anybody can do it. Yes, you have to practice. Yes, you have to figure out what you're going to talk about. But at the end of the day, everybody can do it. It, it. it wasn't always like that.
1: No, exactly. And and that's that's. I mean, that's what got me into technology a long time ago. Is that I love that that ability for it to become accessible and usable to everybody, not just the select few in the IT group. You know, anybody from customer support or marketing or press or whatever can be engaged and sharing and collaborating. But Back to your question. Yeah. So, I mean, the way we we start, we we really went about it to make it as point and click as possible because we realize that, you know, the marketing team doesn't have the time to work with the IT team all the time. Or sometimes they don't even seem to speak the same language in some places. But we, we, we wanted to make sure they had the ability to feel they were in control. I mean, that, that is the data they're collecting off the audience and they are the ones responsible or accountable in the organization for the leads. Or, you know the, the qualified conversions or whatever it is right um they're the ones accountable for it so we wanted to make sure it sat with them and the power of using the tool sat with them not not sourced up to the the tech team or whatever it is so they just really come in and then they have to think about what channel they want to connect up so are you doing ppc on google great then let's let's use the google connector and you put in your manager id or your client id whichever it is And you choose, are you doing clicks or conversions? Now, of course, we do other versions of that too, based on, you know, specialized custom things. But if you're just doing a brand awareness campaign, you choose clicks and you hit go. You go through Google Auth to allow the data to be moved back to our system and you know encrypted and secure and really that's all you do as a marketer the the more advanced options you know when you're a bigger account or you have a lot of data we give you the choice then well how do you want to model your data do you want to use all your campaigns or do you want to cut down to you know maybe just your campaigns on women's wear or campaign based on a location like boston or however you organize your campaigns really so you can you can narrow your data down to really focus on where you're trying to get answers from your audience and Within a couple hours, uh, the, the system will have built your AI model, which is pretty unique in the market. Um, you've, you've probably seen studies by Censure and others that get an AI model built. We're doing it automatically within only a couple hours usually. And once that model's done, um, you get an email that says, hey, come on and start testing. It's, re- it's ready to go. And you come back into the dashboard and you, we import some creative ads that you have already out there. You know, putting those suggestions up and and changing those words. Hit test, get a new score. Are you happy with it? Deploy it back out. That's unbelievable. And but it, it's, to
0: set it up, it still takes a little bit of time. And and that's uh, that actually reminded me of the episode we had with Christopher Penn, who said, you know, when you run these big big programs, when uh, whatever AI I guess analyzes things, you know, it does take a little bit of time. Uh, but once it's set up, in this case, then it then you're good to go. I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we, we try to keep that time as cut down as possible because we don't want people to wait weeks or, or even days. You know, if they can get it in a couple hours, it's still to make sure is that marketer could come right back in. They finish the campaign or, you know, Valentine's Day's happened. They can hit refresh and their model gets refreshed right away with that latest new data so that they're already seeing the difference. So they're already experiencing, you know, they're capturing what did that audience do today or yesterday or this last week so they can make changes really quick. So and I I think that's critically important because, you know, we touched on it earlier, like these things move so fast now and um, how you behave in a channel can change so differently. You know, you see something in Instagram, you, you might change how you're interacting with things. Well, we need to capture that for those marketers.
0: i i kind of thought of when you were talking about um brand awareness versus um, conversion or whatever um that could mean you also people have to step up their game because i remember and i it made me sound smart right I, i if i may say so myself but when people would say to me oh it's not working nobody's clicking and i would say well show me the ad and the ad didn't have a good call to action right and I would say, well, no, no wonder nobody's clicking because how would they know they have to click? Well, don't people know? No, they don't. People don't, they skim stuff. They, you know, they scroll by it 59 times. So, but if I use AI to tell me you need a call to action if you want people to click, like I got to find something else to offer value because that piece of value is no longer needed, right? Because AI yeah. already took care of that.
1: One of the most... Uh, this is one of the things, I mean, I, I'm fascinated by pretty much all aspects of what we do, obviously. I mean, I love it. But one of the things that I continue to be blown away by every time we're building a new model and I see some results coming out for a client. Um, you, you know, in marketing, we go into this approach and we have these personas and we have our target audiences and, you know, we're going after the, the, the woman who's from 40 to 45 and she's doing yoga and all these sorts of things or whatever it is, right? We, we, we spend a lot of time and energy on that and then we take that and we start designing out our creative, um, you know, feeling pretty confident about where we are, knowing we've got this target. And what I keep seeing the AI bringing back is interesting challenges to those assumptions we make about that target or that persona and that we might be spending too much time and energy in that space and not enough time listening to what the demand generation side of it is what is the audience asking us for what are they looking for and what are they reacting to and from that we can then build a much smarter campaign much smarter targeting much smarter personas but too often we're, we're in there right away because i mean we've got these fabulous, Tech tools that Google and Facebook and all the others give us, where we can choose what age groups and where they're from and what language they speak. And I mean, who doesn't want to do all that sort of stuff? But we need to step back and say, first of all, what's generating demand from our audience? And then, you know, that tells us what features we should be promoting. It tells us the benefits. It, In our system, we can see colors for, you know, the, the product often. We can see background imagery they want to see. Um, things that have really challenged the traditional, you know, brand plan that, you know, where it's all it's already set, and this is what we've got to aim for.
0: Yeah, very interesting. So, Vance, tell us. I mean, uh, Junction AI has been around for um, almost uh, five and a half years, roughly four uh, five and a half years. What prompted you founding the company? What prompted starting the company? Was there something specific uh, that happened, or were you just in too many meetings, people saying, uh, having those gut gut feelings? got feeling judgments of everything or, or what happened?
1: You know, I've been involved in marketing and tech for a very long time now, and it's been that area where I found my, my special place. I, I can play a bridge between those two groups. And, and so it was really a natural progression of my career in that space. But the Junction AI story actually did start as that local discovery app, as I was mentioning, called Instant Local. And um, we had that out in mm-hmm. D- Dallas and Austin for a couple of years. And it was only then that, you know, we started seeing the data coming in from our own app that about late 2017, early 2018, we we made that switch over to, we turned the app off and we said, we're going to focus on the AI data side of this because we think that's our future opportunity. You know, people don't need another platform necessarily right now. They've got Instagram, they've got TikTok, they've got endless numbers of platforms. But what they do need is to understand how to be more effective with their creative. So we did the you know the startup pivot as you do, and you you find your new space, and and we kicked off in that space. So we've been around a lot longer. You know, it seems like we've been around a while, but on the AI side with the Junction tool um, that we built, it's only been a couple of years, and um, you know we've been in the market now for about a, about a year and a half with our tool.
0: Fantastic, and of course, I know everybody is struggling or at least trying to always drive performance. And I'm telling you one thing, it's getting harder and harder and harder because everybody's doing everything. Uh, There's another new channel. There's another new whatever, Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, and then of course you also have the whole problem with repetition, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, I mean, I've had some good times in Vegas over the years and, uh, but currently, I mean, every ad, it seems like the political ads have been replaced by the, gambling ads you know everywhere so i don't know um i don't know there's also that the repetition um yeah. but certainly
1: right it's 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 like cut and copy, and we you know that's something that i get annoyed at as well because i think i'm a different consumer when i'm google searching than when i'm on instagram uh i might be you know i'm obviously still the same person but i do interact on every platform differently and and you know, marketers realize they need to tailor per channel. And again, we, we in terms of what we developed for our AI, we did, we did that very much that, you know, you use Google ad data for Google ads, you use Facebook data for Facebook, Instagram for Instagram, because you can learn very different things about the same audience members for each channel.
0: Well, I mean, as you said, I go to Facebook for something very different than if I go to Google and I search for something. But of course there are ways we need to encourage people to search for the things related to what we're selling and of course also the things that we're talking about um vance it was great to have you on the show very insightful i'm really happy um i ran across you on i think it was on linkedin um junction yep. AI. um you guys check that out it's also in the show notes of course and and as i mentioned we were live on all the different channels um as always vance thanks for sharing your story uh, and thanks for you know hopefully helping people Make content performance even easier, or if not easier, at least um, you know a little bit more strategic than it was.
1: Yeah, we want to we want to boost that ROI for everybody out there and make it accessible to all. So, thank you very much for having me today. I've really enjoyed it, Christoph, and enjoyed enjoyed the talk, enjoyed the discussion a lot.
0: Fantastic! Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. Until next time. I'm currently accepting requests for future virtual and on-site keynotes and workshops. In 2020 alone, I've spoken in Singapore and Istanbul, virtually of course, thanks COVID. I can't wait to get back on the road, and if we still can't get on the road in 2021, I would be happy to speak at your event virtually. Please reach out to me, ctrap at gmail.com or AuthenticStoryTelling.net. Hello. Hi. Are you still there? I have a special offer for you. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. My Going Live book is now available on Amazon.com. And if you're in the United States, I'm happy to send you a signed copy, which you can order at paypal.me forward slash C-T-R-A-P-P-E. C-T-R-A-P-P-E forward slash 12. Thanks for your interest. If you're not in the United States, I can't send you a signed copy. But of course, you can order on Amazon.com.